If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. You need to realize we all have breast tissue. It doesn't matter if you're male, female, or whatever. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. Hi, Pat. Welcome to Wellness with Wendy. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you, Wendy? I'm good. I'm so excited that you're here and that we get to highlight um, your experience as a caregiver of your husband, also get to highlight the importance of uh, male breast cancer. Uh, So why don't we start off by you telling us a little bit about you? A little bit about me. Well, um, I am uh, the grandmother of 24 and a great-grandmother of 18, soon to be 19. Um, My husband and I had both retired in 2014, and we bought a home here in Omaha, Nebraska, and um, expected to live out our retirement years here in Omaha. And um, sadly, he came down with breast cancer. Mm. What year was your husband diagnosed and how was he diagnosed? You know, he was diagnosed in December of 2016. And there were probably signs that we should have, have realized something was wrong. My husband was one of the many that did not believe men could get breast cancer. And Honestly, Wendy, I assumed they probably could, but I didn't know anybody, or at least I didn't think I knew anybody um, who was a male with breast cancer. So when his daughter was diagnosed with breast cancer two years earlier, my comment to him was, you know, honey, your dad died with lung cancer. Your daughter has breast cancer. You probably need to keep an eye on yourself. And his comment to me was, It's not like I ever have to worry about breast cancer. And then two years later, in December of 2016, he was actually diagnosed. And he wasn't diagnosed um, because of anything he did. He was a diabetic and he went to a new doctor. He wasn't pleased with the one he'd been going to. And so I sent him to my doctor. And my doctor was an older gentleman. He was over 70. And... um, He did the blood test for Marlon for his diabetes, and we got a phone call the next day that his alkaline phosphatase was elevated. That meant nothing to either one of us, 
And his comment, the doctor's comment was, you know, it could be his gallbladder, could be liver. We just need to have him checked out. You know, come in tomorrow morning for an ultrasound. Well, Marlon has five children and two of them have had gallbladder issues. So, of course, we thought it was gallbladder. And we went in and had the ultrasound done. I was in there with him. He had a lot of pain in his arm and his shoulder. He was also a golfer. He golfed 27 holes every morning. And so we just figured he had pulled a muscle or something. Now, I had told him to mention that to the doctor, and he had. And I suppose the doctor was putting two and two together, didn't tell us what was going on. But he did have him come in for the ultrasound. The ultrasound, uh, we found out later, showed that there were six lesions on his liver. He then was sent in for an MRI. Um, he ended up having a, a bone survey. He had a biopsy, um, golly, CT scan. Um, and the, the last thing that they did for him was a brain MRI. So over the course of probably three weeks, when all of these results came back, they told us that he had metastatic stage four breast cancer. So it wasn't anything that, that we did that discovered his breast cancer, but yet he had gone into the doctor for his diabetes and a blood test showed that there was something going on. And thankfully the doctor went ahead and dug into it. And that's how we found it. You said so many important things. One is that you thought and your husband thought men couldn't get breast cancer, even though his daughter uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah. Did she have positive mutations? Did she have genetic counseling or, I mean, genetic testing done or anything like that? Yep, she did. She had genetic testing done at the time she was diagnosed. And she came back and recommended that everybody in the family had it done. Well, our thought was that the other siblings should have it done. Never, ever gave a thought that Marlon should have it done. And I don't know if her mother had it done or not, but, but her dad did not. Right. So when, then when Marlon ended up, Marlon only lived for five months after his diagnosis. So our time was, was fast and not knowing anything about breast cancer in men. I, I can't say we probably did a whole lot right because we didn't have anybody to guide us. You know, they're, they're just, there wasn't anybody that I could reach out to anybody that knew anything about this breast cancer in my husband. And so we did not have the genetic testing done until his last week. Matter of fact, it was the last day that he was alive. We asked them to go ahead and do the blood test. And I got the results back after he had passed away. And it said he did not have the BRCA mutation. Okay. Well, that's good that he got it done and you know that he didn't have it. But I think it's just so important to know your history. Uh, you know, whether you're a male, whether you're a female, the importance of knowing your history and knowing 
once you you know that history, what to do, right? Do you get testing? Do you get more scans? Exactly. And you also said something really important about he wasn't happy with his current provider and you referred him to another provider. That's so important because many times people have doctors they're going to, they're not happy, but they just keep going because they feel like they don't have a choice. You have a choice. You get to yes. pick your, we're serving you as healthcare professionals. Yes. And I also love the fact that he was going for a well wellness visit. So those annual physicals, those annual tests, annual blood tests, so important just for people to be aware that, you know, those are preventative measures or early diagnosis of, of anything, whether it's diabetes, high cholesterol, blood pressure, cancer. So just so important, so important. Um, and, so thank you, you know, Wendy, you mentioned knowing your family history. We didn't know anything about Marlon's family history, really. He has a brother that is living and really doesn't have any, you know, major health issues. But as far as, you know, his parents have been gone for a long time and he really is not, um, he's not kept up with his aunts, uncles, cousins, whatever. So as far as knowing any of his family history, he really didn't. Mm. And it is, as you said, extremely important. Know your family history. And not only, I, I, I will throw this in and you please correct me if I'm wrong, because what I tell people about breast cancer is not only should you know your history about breast cancer in the family, you should also know it about prostate cancer. Oh, yeah. You should also know it about ovarian cancer. You should also know it about colon cancer. And and if I'm not wrong in this, maybe you can explain it in a way that I, I don't know how. Somehow those four cancers are kind of tied together. And if you have one, you do have a higher risk of possibly developing another yeah, so that's why the genetic the genetic testing is important. If you you and there is association there, even if you have a woman in your family with breast cancer, there is a possibility that the men will be at higher risk for prostate cancer. But I think the, the, what we're saying here is that knowing your family history can dictate the trajectory of your health, right? And if right. You, and if you have one, you're always at risk for other cancers, right? Because something in your your body is not, you know, you don't have those checkpoints. Something is not behaving right. And therefore the cancer mm -hmm. is is developing. I always like to say, you know, in our um in our body, we have like a light switch on and off. When things are happening, our body knows to turn it on and off. When you have cancer, the light is just always on. And there's no inhibition of these cancer cells growing. So uh, knowing your history is just so, and even diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, all of these things. I know we're talking about breast cancer tonight, but it's just important to know your history and make sure you're getting your annual exams and blood work. And not only that, not only knowing it, but make sure you tell your primary care physician about yeah. all of these things. Yeah. It doesn't do you any good to say, yeah, I, I knew that. Yes. And not share it with your doctor for crying yes. out loud. You've got to let your primary care physician know what is going on. Yeah. And I will also say this, because we're saying know your history. If you have a history of something, letting your family know, because many yes. times people are diagnosed with cancer and other diagnoses and they keep it a secret. They right. keep it a secret. They don't want people to know. They want to kind of go through it by themselves. They want their privacy. 
But um, it, it's good for everyone just to be aware so they can make the choice for themselves, right? Whether I'm going to go and get it checked or, or not. So it's important that we share, we normalize talking about health. And you know, Wendy, so many, you know me, I talk to anybody that's willing to listen to me, I will talk. And, you know, kind of like when I started out and I said, you know, I didn't, I don't think I knew anybody that had male breast cancer. You cannot believe the amount of people that I talk to and they will say, well, you know, I had an uncle that died and I don't know. They said it was breast cancer. I don't know if it was or not. Or the other day I talked to a, a young man and he said, you know, my father-in-law had breast cancer, but he said they never talked about it. And that's the stigma behind men having breast cancer. No, they're, they're embarrassed because it's breast. And, and so many of them don't want to think they have breasts. They need to realize, and I, I try to point this out, you need to realize we all have breast tissue. It doesn't yes. matter if you're male, female, or whatever. We have breast tissue. And so when I'm talking to the guys, I always say, and these are the, the things that I find are most important. These are the things that that in my discussion, discussion with, with guys, this is this is how they found their breast cancer. These are the most prevalent. But I also say, you know, some people don't have any signs, any symptoms. Right. You know, um, and, and I did have, um, I, I actually got stopped by a police officer one, one time on a trip. I was driving a car that I have. It was Marlon's last car. And it was one that um, I have put a wrap on. And it says breast cancer does not discriminate men too. And I got stopped by this guy and he, he asked me, the only reason he stopped me was to ask what the signs and symptoms were of male breast cancer. He was a 33 year old um, officer. Uh, he was a, he was a black officer. That's the only reason he stopped me because he had something going on with his nipple mm -hmm. and he wanted to know what the signs and symptoms were. Wow. So uh, I'll, I'll reach out and talk to anybody. That is powerful. And that, and that goes to, to, to really hone in on the point of knowing your body. Yes. You know, looking at your breasts, looking at, you know, your skin, looking at these things, if things are changing, don't wait, get it right. checked out, you know, get confirmation that it's okay, or, you know, get some diagnostic testing done. So, so that's so important. And, and I want to talk about the car because the car is really cool in that whole mission. We definitely have to talk about that. But what was your experience as a caregiver? Being his caregiver and things happened so fast. Um, how was that experience for you? And how did you kind of cope with that? You know, I think I was just trying to keep my head above water and trying to make him comfortable. Um I've always said he treated me like a queen. He sat me on a pedestal and he treated me like a queen. And I wanted to do the same for him. I wanted to make him comfortable. I guess I kind of had a, a horrible feeling that it was it was going to be short lived. Um, however, his oncologist said, you know, she was going to hopefully give us five years. And because it was so extensive. 
Let me back up just a smidge and say when he was diagnosed, it had already metastasized from his breast. It was in his lymph nodes. It was in both lungs. It was in the adrenal glands. Um, it was in his bones. And he had eight tumors in his brain. And that was at the time of his diagnosis. So I, you know, we, we knew that there, we knew that there was no cure, but we did hope that he was going to be able to be treated. I just had a horrible feeling that for as extensive as it was, whether it was treated for five years or not, I, I, I don't know. So I tried to, to, you know, we, a lot of our time was spent going to doctor's appointments. He spent, of the five months that he lived, he spent, there were four different times that he was in the hospital. And one hospital stay was 34 days long. You know, it's, so a lot of my time I was coming and going, this was all before COVID. He was, he was diagnosed in December of, of 2016, and then he died in May of 2017. So it all took place before COVID. I was able to stay at the hospital with him. There were only two nights out of that 35, 34 day stint that I was not in the hospital with him. But otherwise, I stayed at the hospital with him at night. I did his um, all of his his care for him while he was there, other than the meds, you know, so when we were at home, I did take over his meds because of his diabetic. You know, one of the things they did for him when they discovered the uh, the tumors in his brain was um, one of the drugs that they put him on really elevated his his blood sugars. And so at the time that he died, he was on three different insulins and bless you. And, um, you know, so it, it was to the point where he wasn't able to, to line up all of his meds for the day. I think he was on like 30 or 35 meds a day. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was, I was kept busy with that. Um, one of the things that we did, he died the end of, of May And early in May, um, one of our grandsons was graduating from high school. So we loaded up all of our oxygen tanks and we drove the two hours to graduation. So grandpa could be at graduation for our grandson. And then one of the other things we did, and I believe that was also in May, um, for nine years, we were married almost 23 and for nine years, we didn't live together. I had our home over in Iowa, and he was finishing his career in Nebraska. So we were five hours apart for nine years. We were five hours apart, but we would get together almost every weekend. He was home all summer long. Uh, every night at 10 o'clock, my telephone would ring, and it was him. The weekends that we did not get together, um, he would call me at nine o'clock on Saturday morning and then we'd chat several times. So his his last school that he was at, he was an educator for 41 years. The last school he was at, one of his staff, a female, had breast cancer and he was a big supporter of her. Well, they were going to celebrate her five-year anniversary of 
no evidence of disease. And so they invited us to go. Well, Marlon didn't feel he was probably going to be able to go because that was, if I remember right, that was about a three hour drive. <laughs> and he had a home health nurse that came in uh, two or three times a week. And she discouraged that. She said, I, I don't think this is something that you can do. And so the two of us had actually made a video and we sent it out so they could give it to this gal. It was a surprise. She did not know that they were doing any kind of a celebration for her. And that morning we got up and I said, honey, would you like to go out to Mary's celebration? And he said, yeah, but he said, you know, they don't think we can. And I said, if you want to go, we're going to go. And we did. Oh, <laughs> and it was amazing. He got to say, you know, he got to see all of these people that he had spent nine years with. Wow. And it, it, was, it was amazing. So as far as a caregiver, really and truly, the only thing I can say is I did everything I could to try to make him comfortable. And one of the things that he did that I, I was surprised at, I don't know about other states. I've got a fly in here. Sorry. Um, I don't know about other states, but in the state of Nebraska, not all license plates are due at the same time. And so on my car, they were due in January. On Marlon's car, they weren't due until July. And keep in mind, he was diagnosed December and then he died in May. And so when I got my plates, I just got regular plates. And when I got done, I said, oh, shoot, I could have gotten breast cancer plates. I didn't realize Nebraska had those this year. And he's sitting in the recliner and he has his iPad. And he said, come here, see what you think about this. And it was a breast cancer plate that said men too, T-O-O. -O. Well, being in education, you know, you have to spell the words out. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was, I, I went online and I was going to try to order his plates for his car and I could only have five digits on the Nebraska breast cancer plate. And so I went with men and the number two. I don't know if you can see my shirt. Oh, yes. Yes. That is, that is his license plate. It says men with the number two. And when I ordered them, they said that it would cost extra to have them come in early. Otherwise, you know, no extra charge if I waited until July. And I said, you know, I just think we need to have them before that. And so Marlon actually got to see the license plates oh. and see them on his car before he died. Oh, I love that. I yeah. love that story. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And it sounds like you just really reveled in the, the golden moments, as I call them. Like, you know, if you wanted to do this, if you wanted to do that, you just really honored his wishes. I, I think that's amazing. And yeah. I think as a caregiver, and Wendy, I've told a lot of caregivers this. In fact, you maybe have heard me say this to a couple. You know, if there's something that you guys want to do, if there's a trip, make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it may not be easy, but it's going to be good for for the person who's sick. But it's also going to give you memories. It's going to give you something to hold on to. So, yeah, I, I really do believe if there's any way to make it happen, make it happen. I love that. I love that.
And, and now I want to talk about, because you and I know each other from the ANCAN uh, Caregiver Support Group. Yes. Uh, we spend time together outside of this, what we're doing now. Um, I would love for you to tell us how you honor your husband now, all the, the, the organizations you're in and you're contributing to. And the, you have to tell the story about the car. <laughs> and I don't know if you have a picture, but you have to tell the story about the car. <laughs> well, if I would have known I needed a picture here, I've, I've got one, but I don't have it right here in front of me. So, um, yes, you and I are involved with a couple of different caregiver groups through ANCAN.org. And anybody that is listening, if you are a caregiver, um, I would really suggest that you go ahead and get involved with that. And you can just go to ANCAN.org. They are, and Wendy, you help me out. Um, the ones that I am involved in as a caregiver, we meet twice a month. We meet on the first Tuesday. We also meet on the third Tuesday of the month. And and they the, the, the one that meets the first Tuesday of the month, that deals with caregivers of those whose loved ones have advanced stage cancer, cancer of any kind. Um, it doesn't have to be breast cancer. That's just what I'm involved with. But breast cancer... Um, colon cancer, prostate cancer, liver cancer, kidney cancer, stomach cancer, any kind of cancers, uh, advanced stage, which would be stages three and four, you can come and get virtual support. Um, we, we have our meetings online. And then the, the one that meets the third Tuesday of the month, that also is for caregivers, but it is basically for bereaved caregivers. It is for those of us who have lost our loved ones. Now, everyone is welcome to come, but you need to understand that that third week, um, we do talk about death sometimes, not always, but sometimes we talk about death and the, the difficult things that we're going through. So that, uh, ancan.org, I can't say enough good about that. Another one that I am involved with, um, the only one that I am really involved with for the breast cancer um, can be found at mbcglobalalliance.org. And that stands for Male Breast Cancer Global Alliance. Now, I will tell you that um, uh, I got to go over to Spain in March and meet with some of our, our men from Spain and France and Belgium I don't, um, I don't think we had anyone else there that are all dealing with breast cancer. I was asked to come over with actually the founder of the Male Breast Cancer Global Alliance. So the two of us went. A year ago, right now, I was actually in Belgium. Uh, they had seen pictures of my car on Facebook. And so they asked me to make a video and tell a little bit about my car and about my husband. And so I did. And believe it or not, um, they actually put on a play and the play was all about breast cancer in men. And the guys that were performing had breast cancer. It was it was just amazing. And they invited me to come over and to be a part of this. So that's that's what I do. Anytime I can talk to anyone about breast cancer in men, I do it. And as far as, as the car. So this was the last car that Marlon ever bought. It's a 2014 Dodge 
dart. Certainly wouldn't win any races, but by golly, it's the only one in the world like it. So I have taken the car and I put a wrap on it. And on the side of it in pink letters, it says breast cancer does not discriminate. And underneath of that in blue letters, it says men too. On the hood, it has actually has a picture of Marlon that was taken at Christmas time, just about the time he was being diagnosed. I don't know if we'd actually heard the word cancer, but we basically knew that that's what was going on. And it was uh, taken down in our basement. We had a Christmas dinner that he had prepared. And um, so that is on the hood of my car. And I wasn't going to have anything put on the hood. But when I took the car in to have the wrap put on, the lady that was helping me said, what are we going to put on the hood? And I said, I don't think anything. I'm, I'm not planning on it. And she said, how about a photo? a photo of your husband. And I said, you know, we really didn't get very good photos here at the end. I said, in fact, this is the last one that that looks pretty good. And it was that picture. And it was a picture of the two of us, but they cut me out. And so it is a picture of my husband on the hood. And I have to tell you, Wendy, that has probably been the most enlightening thing when I'm talking to people, because if I'm at a gas station or in a parking lot and they see my car, if they look cross-eyed at my car, I call them over and I start talking to them. And it is so impactful when I say, see this picture? He was just being diagnosed when this picture was taken. And I tell them how full of cancer he was. And then I say, five months later, he took his last breath. Mm. and it's it seems to make an impression on people and that's what I want I you know I want to make an impression I want people to understand this can happen absolutely absolutely I love that and you drive the car everywhere <laughs> everywhere Mar Marlon died six years ago this past May, I had the wrap put on the first part of October. So just six years ago now, Wendy, I have driven over 101,000 miles with that car. Wow. Since he died. We had 20,000 on at the time that he died. And I now have 121,000. Wow. Wow. But what a way to like remember him. I mean, this car and to educate, you know, just society on the importance of no breast cancer, because it's not something that people talk about. Like even this month of breast cancer awareness, you see all the pink ribbons and women and, and that, yes, that's important. Yes. But I also want people to know that male breast cancer is a thing. It is. It's big, you know, and every day during October, I try to put something out on my Facebook pages, you know, just something with the pink and the blue. You know, um, yesterday, I think mm -hmm. I had something up there about metastatic because Marlon was diagnosed metastatic. And and, you know, for your listeners, Wendy, I have to admit when the doctor first came in and told us he was metastatic. And, and, you know, that there was no cure. I had no idea what metastatic meant, hmm. you know, and I know I'm not the only one in that. And so, you know, we, we need to make people understand metastatic means it's spread. It's spread someplace else. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. And to that point, two points. One, for our healthcare professionals who are listening, make sure you take the time to explain what it really is so your patient leaves without any confusion. And two, for patients, ask questions. If you don't understand something, ask questions. It is well within your right to do that. Well, I have to tell you, when our doctor came in and, and said that to us, okay, and there and one of the best things that we ever did was not go to that doctor's appointment alone mm. because we knew that it was going to be overwhelming. Whatever she told us was going to be overwhelming. So we had two others with us. We had Marlon's daughter and then we had a future daughter-in-law. So we had two others with us and when she came in and said it is metastatic and um, you know, there, you know, we'll try to get five years. And she said, now I'm going to step out for a bit. And when I come back in, you ask me any questions that you want to ask. And Wendy, I have to tell you, we all just looked at each other and I said, I don't even, I don't even know what to ask. Because honestly, up until my stepdaughter, Marlon's daughter, I really was not close with anyone with breast cancer. And so I, I had no clue what to ask. And as I have talked to other men and their, their loved ones, I'm finding the same thing out with them. Mm-hmm. You know, doctors say, ask me anything. I don't know what to ask. Right. And I don't know as a as a uh, medical professional, I don't know what you guys can do. So so we're not so dumb. I I don't know. Yeah, well, one, you're not dumb because we've been in it. We're in it. We're talking about it every day. And and this is something I always say, like when someone's diagnosed with cancer, it's like a door hits them in the face, right? For us, it's like we do it every day. So it just rolls off our tongue. But we are shifting the trajectory of someone's life, them and their family. Um, But I think it's one, getting the diagnosis, um, explaining what it means, and also saying, I know, you know, you can ask me anything. You you probably don't know what to ask because you're in shock. But I think the important thing with healthcare professionals is making sure you continue to revisit the conversation every visit, right? Because then you get diagnosed, then it's all the tests, and then it's chemo, and then and then it gets lost, like what you said from day one, like meta. I don't know what metastatic is, right? And then we just keep going on and on and on. But we have to kind of come back and revisit that every visit. What is it? How is it impacting you? What's the treatment? What's the side effects? What are the expectations? Um, right. So we definitely have to take time to do that. And, you know, and with Marlon, I mean, he, he was just constantly sick and the man got hiccups and I kept talking. I I think he had, I don't even know how many days in a row he had hiccups 24 hours a day and we could not seem to get rid of the hiccups. We talked to the doctor, we talked to the pharmacist, nobody could seem to get rid of the hiccups. They tried different things. And it surprises me how many people I have talked to since then that have said the same thing. So there's got to be something. I don't know if it was in the chemo drug that he was, the the chemo cocktail. That I don't know. But something was causing the man to get hiccups. So, yeah, you know, we just tried to get by. And then uh, after he was in the hospital Oh, I think it was after he was in for that that real long stint. 
he came home on oxygen and he had a high flow concentrator that he was on all the time. We also had the bottles delivered and even just to walk into the bathroom, he would put a second oxygen on because the high flow concentrator wasn't getting him enough oxygen. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And seeing him kind of like go through that journey, like, you know, you were there with the diagnosis and then throughout the five months and then on his last day. Yeah. Um, I always say like caregivers, it's, um, it, it's an honor. Like I hold you guys so high because you go through so much and then, you know, like it's your husband, then you become his caregiver and then all the things. And then for you, I just, I just love how you honor him, like after everything with the car and, and just supporting others and just truly being an advocate, truly being an advocate. I, I want his legacy to live on forever. And one way that we have actually done this, and this was Marlon's idea, but we did not get it done before he died. So I never went to college, but he did. And he had his master's and he wanted to honor the college that he went to. Uh, it was a, a small rural college here in Nebraska. And so he wanted to set up a scholarship. And so we have set up a scholarship. I did it along with his daughter and the daughter's husband because they both graduated from the same college. And um, we have set up a scholarship. And so now, uh, and, and the name of the scholarship is the, the Marlon and Patricia Marquardt Washburn Endowment Scholarship. It's long. <laughs> but when I go and meet the recipients of our scholarship, I take them out and I get pictures of them with the car mm -hmm. and I make sure they understand what the story is. Why are we doing this scholarship? Make sure that they understand it is because of a man having breast cancer and we want to raise awareness. I love that. I love that. Yeah, that's, that's make my heart. It makes my heart happy to hear that because uh, you're even going back to college and you're educating them like you're, you're just constantly educating and informing so people can become aware. And we just need to keep the conversation going. We need to keep the conversation going. Well, and and one of the things, Wendy, that we haven't talked about yet tonight is it doesn't matter your age. You know, um, I have just recently met a young man right here in Omaha he was diagnosed at 39. Mm -hmm. Now he went to the doctor because he had drainage from a nipple and the doctor said, don't worry about it. It'll clear up. And when his wife saw that he had an inverted nipple, took him to a different doctor and he was diagnosed with breast cancer. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. It can happen. And we, we need to get that need to get that point out. And, and if you would allow me, I would like to go through the four things that I tell all of the guys that I meet. Okay. Absolutely. The four things that I always tell guys. Okay. First of all, you need to check for lumps. Make sure you include the area around your collarbone as well as your underarms. Make sure you include the entire chest area. Feel for lumps. They could be small. They could be big. They could be hard. They could be soft. But if you find a lump there that wasn't there earlier, get it checked out. And I let me just sidetrack that a little bit. Marlon did have a lump. 
I said, did you never notice this? And he said, if I did, I would have just assumed it was another lipoma because he had lipomas. And for those who are listening that may not know, a lipoma is just a fatty mass. It is non-cancerous. If you ever watch Dr. Pimple Popper, she deals with lipomas. I, I've used that several times and people kind of understand what it is then. So anyway, the first thing is feel for a lump. Second thing is when you get out of the shower, before you put your shirt on, look in a mirror. Do you notice a red patch of skin? Do you notice a scaly patch of skin? Do you notice some skin that just looks odd? Maybe it looks like an orange peel. It's kind of dimpled like that. Okay, none of those things should probably be happening. If you have a red spot, don't assume that you bumped it on a car door. Don't assume that you just hit it. At least if, if you don't know how long it's been there, get it checked out. The third thing. And this is one that I preach to everybody because I think it is so important. And that is an inverted nipple. And I know a lot of guys say, ah, you know, I've always had that, nothing to worry about. And maybe it's not anything to worry about. But if it has happened recently and you don't know how long you've had that, get it checked out because an inverted nipple could possibly be something inside growing and pulling it inward. Okay. So definitely get it checked out. Another side note on that. I recently drove down to Florida and met up with, there was a group of 13 people. And of those 13 people, six men were represented with breast cancer. There were me and two other widows representing our husbands. And then we had three survivors there. Of the six, five found their cancer because of an inverted nipple. My husband did not. He did not have an inverted nipple. But the other five that were represented. So it is very common. I don't know how common. I always say at least 50% of the men that I know, it's probably higher than that. The fourth thing I tell the guys, if you ever notice any kind of drainage from a nipple, any kind of drainage, it can be clear, it can be bloody, it can be milky. But if you ever notice any kind of drainage from a nipple, go in and get it checked because that should not be happening. I don't think there is any reason that a man should ever have any kind of drainage. A woman, if she is, you know, lactating or whatever, could. But as a man, you should never have any drainage. So those are the four things that I tell the guys when I talk to them. And uh, I actually had one guy, Wendy, you'll laugh about this. So a friend and I had taken my car out to Colorado for the Hot Wheels Legends Tour. So I've got a picture of my car in front of the Hot Wheels banner. And then we took a little road trip. We went up through Yellowstone. And there was a beautiful little creek beside the road. And so we pulled over and she took some pictures. And there was a motorhome sitting beside the creek. And there was a man standing outside. And he's kind of peeking around looking at my car. So, of course, I walked over to him. And I said, hey, I see you noticed my card. Did you know that men can get breast cancer? Nope, never heard of that before. Well, his wife was down at the, the creek taking pictures also. 
So I told him the same four things that I just got done telling you. And when I got done, he said, can you check me out? Can you see if I have lumps? And I said, no, but I can walk your wife through it. <laughs> so, so, you know, they do want to know. And it yeah. is important that they know. But, um, I, you know, I, I feel like Marlon is still educating, even though he's not here. Mm. He is still educating. Yes, I love that. So the first thing is to check for lumps. Make sure that you include the area of your collarbone as well as your underarms. We have breast tissue that wraps around there and you need to check. Also include your entire chest area. The second thing is when you get out of the shower, before you put a shirt on, look in a mirror. Do you notice a red patch? Do you notice a dry patch? Do you notice a patch of skin that just looks strange? It might resemble an orange peel, kind of puckered like that. Okay, that is not normal. And if you it, don't just assume that you have bumped into your car door or bumped it uh, on, on the wall, don't just assume that's where the red spot came from. Okay, if you don't know how long it's been there, go in and get it checked out. The third thing, and this is, in my mind, is the most, most important. And that is, look at the nipples. Do you have an inverted nipple? Think of it this way. If there is something inside of there growing, it can cause that nipple to pull inward. Now, just because you have an inverted nipple does not mean that it is cancer, but it definitely should be checked out. And the fourth thing is any kind of drainage from your nipple. It could be a clear drainage. It could be bloody drainage. It could be a milky drainage. But any kind of drainage from a nipple on a man should not happen. So if you have any of those, please, please get it checked out. Know your family history when you walk in. Your doctor will need to know that. If you have any history of, of breast cancer, prostate cancer, ovarian cancer, colon cancer, those are all kind of associated together. And if there's a history of any of that on either your mother's side or your father's side of the family, it could put you at higher risk. And you need to know those things. Oh, thank you so much. That was beautiful. And I think that is a perfect way to end this session. And I want to just give you another opportunity. Do you have any last words you would like our listeners or viewers to, to know? Do you have any last words for them? You know, I would just say, don't hesitate. If you are a caregiver, don't hesitate to get involved with ancan.org. And as a caregiver, um, I, I don't know if I said this or not, but, but it is for all cancers. And ANCAN has, has so many platforms. If you are uh, someone with prostate cancer, ANCAN has a site for you. Um, they, they've got a site for everything, for veterans. They've got all of that. If you are a man with breast cancer, or if you know a man with breast cancer, please check out mbcglobalalliance.org. And that stands for Male Breast Cancer Global Alliance.org. It's a great organization. And I those are the two that I would recommend. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Pat, for sharing your story and your time. And we'll definitely post a picture of your car so everyone can check it out. <laughs> well, Wendy, I appreciate that so much. And make sure you have the side and the front. And now yes. the back of the car says Marlin Mobile. Love it. Love yeah. it. Thank you, Pat, for your time. Wendy, thank you so much for letting me talk about breast cancer in men. I greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend. Before you go, I would love to share a free stress management resource with you. Go to stressblueprint.com and download your free copy of the three questions to ask when you are stressed. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App, and that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.